Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tuesdays with Townsend, a podcast from Rivertown Church in Brattleboro, Vermont. My name's Ben Whittinghill. It's my privilege to sit down each week with one of my fellow pastors and dear friends, David Townsend, to discuss questions of faith, challenging issues, and sometimes random topics. Our goal is to serve you as you seek to follow Jesus faithfully in our post-Christian world. Thanks so much for joining us. Happy to be here on another Tuesday with my man, David Townsend. And David, this, this morning, uh, we, we lost a giant in the faith. Ravi Zacharias went to be with the Lord. And uh, I think we'd be remiss not to honor him and the legacy that he left for us to follow as we're talking about how to think biblically and, and critically and as Christians and how to defend the faith well. Nobody did it better than Ravi. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, he, he's left a huge mark um, as far as modern evangelicalism you know, goes and uh, has a lasting legacy with his life and his work. I just read this. Um, you'll enjoy this little anecdote from Nancy DeMoss, Wolgamuth now. And she said that her father-in-law, Sam Wolgamuth, was a missionary and he was preaching at a crusade in New Delhi. And he just poured his heart and his soul into it and gave a call for people to respond to the good news of Jesus. And only one young kid came forward. Um, and he was just, I think at the time, a little bit downcast because he had prayed so much that God would use his preaching of the word and that he would be glorified and that many would come to Christ through his preaching. And only the 17 year old skeptic came forward uh, and gave his life to Christ. But he was, of course, Ravi Zacharias. Mm -hmm. uh, So you can never measure fruit by what you can see immediately. And uh, man, how much downstream fruit did did that guy have? So yeah, pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Yeah, certainly. (laughs) Well, today um, we're diving into, I think, a topic that people may not even know how much it's influenced the culture that they live in uh, and how much it affects the, the thinking of their friends. But we're talking about new ageism. Give us a little intro, man. Why would we talk about new ageism? What, what is it? Why would we discuss it as we're thinking through how to live as Christians in a postmodern world? Yeah, so I think New Ageism is best understood as an umbrella term that um, helps categorize and somewhat define the um, like the amalgamation of several worldviews, particularly uh, spiritual worldviews. Um, because, so to put it, you know, succinctly, I think it's the mixing and melding of um, Hindu thought, Buddhist thought, perhaps Wicca thought, um, any kind of modern, what we might call neo-paganism, or anything that might be mystic, um, or anything that might be um, animist, um, which would be like, you know, looking into the spiritual realm, um, like animism, a lot of tribes around, you know, small tribes in various countries perform or practice types of animism. 
uh, where everything has a spirit, you know, whether it's the spirit of a rock or a tree. Um, and so it's the mixing and melding of, of certain aspects or beliefs from a plethora of other worldviews, some of which are incredibly more well, well formed, you know, or, uh, but um, it's taking those things and kind of cherry picking what you want from them and shaping what you think is life as we know it based on cherry picking that. And there certainly are some aspects of new ageism that uh, pluck from even Judeo-Christian um, beliefs, but um, for the most part, it has uh, more to do with um, some of what we might call Eastern thought, uh, meaning, you know, from, from the East, the Far East, you know, Asia. So, so there's not one, like a one size fits all definition or categorization of new ageism. No, I don't think so. It's difficult to describe because it's incredibly eclectic, but for the most part, you always know what it is when you see it. Um, and a lot of people will even use the term I'm new age. And what by that, they typically mean, I don't hold to a formalized system of beliefs that fit into any particular category neatly, but rather I've chosen to live my life in such a way where I'm choosing things that I like about various worldviews or religions and then appropriating them to my own circumstances. It's usually what that means. Okay. So in new age thought, I, that's helpful. So it's, it's like a catch all term for a broad spirituality that kind of has shunned a, a formalized structure. It's right in our, in our, uh, town the way that a lot of people said it when I first moved here and I would ask them about their understanding of God or they would find out that I was a pastor and without me even asking them anything they would say oh well I'm not religious but I am spiritual yeah that's a new age sentiment right sure in fact it's pretty unique to America uh, a recent study of of religion uh, I think maybe from I don't know if it was Barna or just the Pew Research Group found that uh, postmodernism it still it looks a lot like it has historically in Europe. There's still a rejection of anything religious and spiritual, yet there is this awakening sense of spirituality in America, even though America is still as anti-religious as it's ever been, it's more spiritual. Uh, and, and all that is just to say that people are seeking spiritual things, whether it be meaning in life or to connect to nature or a spirit realm or whatever, um, but they're rejecting formalized religion, what they might call man-made religion, which is funny because I think new ageism is pretty man-made, but, um, but yeah. So is there a, a common thread, you know, I think when a lot of people, when they hear new ageism, they would think this mystical, like there's spirit in everything. Yeah. There is, um, I think all of what people would consider new age is accompanied by meditation and trying to discover something. What What's the role of meditation in new ageism? Sure. And then, where not where does this new age thinking is it 
does it have roots somewhere? Is it is it influenced by other religious thinking or or sources? Answer, Where does it come from? The answer is yes, um, but to define it is difficult. Um, I think not every person who who perhaps lives within the New Age spectrum would maybe attribute spirits to everything. It's, it's difficult to make blanket statements like that um, because the, the, inevitably something will, won't be true for some person. But um, in many cases, yes, there, you know, there's an attribution or an, yeah, an attributing of spiritual things to inanimate objects. Or I think the most fundamental belief as far as to your point about meditation or your question there is that people are looking for uh, what I might call self-actualization or self-realization in which they're trying to find their true self. And the meditation point is key there. And that's probably the most ripped off thing from what we would call Eastern religions, uh, Buddhism and Hinduism is the meditation piece. Um, because not that there isn't other types of meditation, but that's typically the form of meditation that is appropriated. Um, whereas in other forms of new ageism, if it's, if it's more, uh, you know, quote unquote pagan, it might not be meditative, but rather, um, there might be chants or mantras used to conjure or procure certain results, um, from the spiritual realm or to force oneself to like enter a spiritual realm, which is, is somewhat like meditation, but, but I, but it, you know, most people assume meditation as this quiet, solemn time that's, you know, pretty introspective. Um, whereas the chanting and the mantra could be more of a, uh, like an, an act or a performance to, to achieve a certain result. So what is, what is, you mentioned self-actualization. Yeah. What, what's the drive for people, I, I know, so we've talked about how God stamped eternity on people's hearts and people know that God is there. New ageism seems like an outlet to acknowledge the truth that God is there without having to subject yourself to the one God and his claims and his authority. So what is it? What? are people that would kind of hold to new ageism there. You said they're hoping to achieve self-actualization. What would they see as like the, the purpose of it, of what's the nature of salvation? Is there a problem? Do they need to be saved from anything or is it just finding purpose? Yeah, I think, I think most people, at least those I've encountered and those that I've chatted with and just the general census, uh, you know, or consensus, because, I, again, I can't speak for everybody, but um, I think most people recognize and feel that there's a problem with self, but they're unwilling to admit that there's a cosmic problem and that the problem is as pervasive as the Bible says it is, because the Bible is going to call that problem sin. And sin being a rejection of God and his, his ways and a rebellion against him as the creator God who is judge of all. And so, yeah, I think uh, many New Age people might 
uh, I think maybe the driving, the, the drive, you know, the internal impetus for them to even pursue um, this self-actualization is a dissatisfaction with self um, and a seeking of meaning and value and purpose. And so the purpose is to find purpose, right? Is what I would say, again, uh, sweeping kind of statement, but I think generally speaking, that's what you'd find. Um, and, but, but again, a refusal to acknowledge that really the problem of self is just that it's a problem of self, not necessarily circumstances or my, you know, my, um, like my uh, intellect or, you know, my realizing of self because a lot of people are there they're recognizing there is a problem there's I'm, I'm missing something I'm feeling like you know I'm, I, I need purpose or I need to find my true self but they're looking to self to fix self right and that's the problem with self self-realization or self-actualization is that you're trying you're looking within to figure out your own problems but the problem is you and that's yeah, the, the problem is they perceive the problem as not being true to yourself. And if I could just be myself, bingo, my problems or my, my feelings of dissatisfaction would disappear. Right. Right. Bingo. So, and go ahead. So, well, I was just going to say I, in looking into this uh, conversation, the one thing that I read that I thought was insightful was that most people who hold to these kind of loose loosely connected new age spiritual ideas probably wouldn't classify themselves as new age. They would say, this is the cultural, I'm going to kill the way you say this. Melu, Melu, Melu. Uh, me, yeah. Melu. <laughs> How do you say it? It's that they would say, this is like the spirit of the age. Sure. This is, we've been enlightened to this point. This is where, right. This is where normal thinking humans are not, it's not something that I've like sought after to be new age. This is just what it looks like to, to know that there is spirit and to find yourself there. Yeah. I've talked so, with some, some people that have participated in new age kind of systems or, or practices, and they would, they would identify them as new age, whereas some are inoculated by it culturally and have no clue that what they're doing is a new age thing. So I think it's both end. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's helpful. I, I think being careful to not broad rush people is is wise and helpful. It's definitely not what we are trying to do. But I think it's it's important for us that that idea that this is a spirit of the age, that it's sort of this almost transcendent principle now that in a post-modern or post-Christian secular mindset. It's not all new atheism. There is a a agnosticism or a a even like spirituality spirituality that is um, defined by the seeker. Yeah. So then the question is, what are the dangers for the church and for the Christian living in that? world in terms of i think we 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 wrap up this conversation two ways one what are the what are the dangers what are the things to be wary of that they may be influenced by a new age culture and not even realize it right and then the second is how do we engage well to be winsome yeah. in the new age culture so first influence and then 
the yeah, the influence piece is is really critical, particularly because um, New Ageism is subtle in its uh, in how it's taking over culture. Um, you don't have to look very far to um, even hear terms the term self actualization or find you know look to your inner self whatever um, or your true self. And the other one that's really it just this is a personal irk. I hate it when, particularly when Christians use it, but really anybody um, who isn't a practicing Hindu, they say karma, you know, like, Oh, karma will get them. Well, what is, what do you mean by that? You know? Um, And people even there, I think people perhaps in the church that would try not our church, but in the, the, you know, the Western church that would try to conflate the ideas of um, reaping what you sow and karma and they're entirely incompatible. Um, you know, karma is the, um, it's basically this kind of universal karmic retribution for your deeds, you know, whether you've performed your duty in your particular cast or your particular role in life well. And, um, you know, cause in, in Hinduism, you have the cycle of life, samsara, and then you're seeking by having good duty, which would be dharma, right? So performing your per- role well in life to try to break free from the cycle of reincarnation. And dharma, good dharma or duty leads to good karma. Um, and so, I mean, like credit to your account so that you're, you know, you experience moksha, the liberation from the whole cycle of life. And basically your personhood gets plastered into the eternal, you know, existence, whether that be the universe or whatever. So, you know, to say that, uh, so karma is a really specific term from a very specific worldview, but many would use it fairly flippantly. And, uh, you know, it's, they use it as if like the term, what goes around comes around, which, um, again, I think means something different and the Bible's use. So in Galatians, it says you reap what you sow. Well, Paul continues, if you reap to the flesh, you know, you'll, if you, excuse me, if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap from the flesh. If you sow to the spirit, you'll reap from the spirit. The meaning of that is actions have consequences, not there's some, uh, you know, intelligent, uh, but non-deistic, you know, entity in the universe that somehow is giving karmic retribution to people. That the universe um, operates like some gigantic boomerang. In- yeah. That's this, you also hear that in a new age mindset of the idea of almost the um, talking about the universe and like this, like this personal force. So right. we would replace God with this impersonal idea of the universe. And we just are, there's that idea of the secret, which is like, you think these thoughts and then it comes back to you. Yeah. Yeah, and what you, you put out, you know, thinking you well back. enough, or you broke your chain of meditation and thinking if it didn't actualize in your reality. Right. right. You see, like, um, like when people are hurt or something and they might put on Facebook, like sending you good thoughts, you know, what does that mean? Sending positive, positive. Yeah, right. Positive energy. thoughts. I, that, it does. I mean, I'm sorry. It doesn't mean anything, you know. But the it's energy like a, thing is a, is a new age piece, right? Sure. You know, I know. And positive and negative energy. Yeah. And I mean, the world does operate by a system, you know, with a system of energy in God's natural law of the, of this, you know, of how the world works. But 
uh, our ability to control it is pretty limited. And um, it, it's a physical thing, not a, uh, or an element, it's an elemental thing, not a spiritual, you know, ethereal thing. And so, um, when you think about yeah, what that does, David, is you're taking prayer as a request to God who's sovereign and outside of you. And it's, you're submitting yourself to him and asking him to do something, acknowledging that you have no control. Right. Sending positive thoughts and energy completely removes God from the picture and says, I'm the one who bestows this thing on you. Right. And I think much of New Ageism is wanting the the guise of spirituality, but it's all self-serving because we become both judge and juror. We, we you know, we're the ones who arbitrate fairness. Uh, and it's it's all based on self and what we do, um, you know. Hence the use of karma, hence the use of sending positive thoughts, and even the piece about self reflection. I mean, we're we're looking to ourselves for a type of salvation, if we're adhering to these kind of beliefs. And so uh, the warnings for the Christian are that don't look to yourself, look to Jesus, because you are a failure. I say that, admitting I am one, right? We are all failures, and you can't save yourself. And um, nothing. The more you look inwardly, if you're being honest and you really see yourself for who you are, I don't think it's a pretty picture, right? And I could guarantee that for anybody. If you're honest with yourself, it's not a pretty picture. And so I don't think um, I, I don't think there's anything within me that somehow is going to save me from the 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 failures that, you know, I've already committed as, against a holy God, but even more so than that, like we're looking for a taste of eternity and, and yet people are digging around in, you know, the muck and the mire of the finite looking for the infinite. And so it just doesn't work. Um, it's this, this desire for what's transcendent. Yeah. And, and greater than us that, causes people to go on this search and then we immediately go down the wrong road and go inward right so we actually look for what's transcendent inside of ourselves instead of what we were designed to to, to look up and look out and yeah, absolutely yeah i yeah. think i think one of the forms of this david in in the church now and I, i'm curious to get your thoughts on this because not all conversation around purpose is wrong God sure. does give you purpose, but it can be talked about in the church in a way that is, um, come to Jesus and he'll give you purpose. You'll, you'll right. actualize yourself and become a truer, better version of yourself. Right. And it's not a call to take up your cross and die and to follow no. Jesus. No, not at all. And I think, uh, one of the issues too, undergirding that, and, and that's probably more, uh, more pervasive is a lot of people feel there's a feel or believe that there's a secret will of God as if I've got to somehow rub the genie bottle just good enough, you know, to somehow get God to answer the, these questions that I have when um, the Bible is clear that it's totally sufficient for everything we need for life and godliness, right? What we have received in the word and in the, the various kind of organization of God's church and its structure and him being the, the bridegroom and us being the bride and him giving us the spirit 
as a down payment, all those things, like his, his organization of, or his economy really of working within the church and then the revelation of the word, it's everything we need um, to know him, to follow him and to be faithful. But many people, uh, and I, and it's, it, we've all been there. I mean, I, I think young believers in particular, but you know, you're looking like, what does God exactly want me to do? Like, is there a, is, am I going to be famous? Is he going to use me in these kind of ways? Where's the secret will at? And all the while, to your point, missing the call to die to self and follow Jesus. Um, and, you know, I think he does want to use us and he does have purpose for us all. But often that purpose is not at all what we expect it to be. We glamorize things in the church when um, he could simply be calling us to live a faith-filled, dependent life day in and day out, doing what we've already been doing and preaching the gospel in both word and deed. And then on that last day, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah. Pursue purpose, pursue God's purpose for your life, but be surrendered to his purpose being completely different than what you right. would hope for. Right. And, you know, it, it sometimes we hijack what the Bible's actually teaching and turn God into a vending machine of sorts. Um, and I, and some of that has, even though we might not assume so, there's new age thought behind that because it's as if that I've got to, uh, you know, God is going to, he's going to keep me out of hell, but, you know, I need to somehow find within, you know, this idea of what he's really calling me to or what he really wants me to do. What's my calling? And uh, the calling language has been used really heavily in uh, Protestantism and particularly in the American church. And I, and in most ways, I think it's okay, right? Because I do think God gives us calls. But um, I do think that that, that even can ebb and flow because God speaks to us differently at different times to produce his plans and purposes. Mm-hmm. And so I'm much less, uh, you know, uh, I'm much less convinced that I have to rely on my calling and rather just rely on Jesus and listen to him in the moment and within the community of faith, you know, running everything against his word and what, uh, what his spirit's telling us collectively, you know? So good, man. I've got a, um, we just launched our blog for Vermont church planning and I've got a, an article that I wrote a while back, but we're about to re release it. And it's titled called the Jesus. And the whole point is that before I'm ever called to a place or even to a specific vocation, I'm called to a person. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Jesus is that person and where my place is, wherever he puts me and my vocations, whatever he says, and tomorrow it could be different. And uh, if I'm, if I'm there, then I won't miss it. Right. Um, So then, so then, Give us uh, an encouragement or exhortation to Christians who um, need to be on guard against uh, New Age influence. And then how should they um, interact, I think, in defense of the faith. But this is this is the tricky thing here in the church. Not just interact with lost people who espouse these things, but how do they lovingly uh, serve other Christians who suffer from new age influence. Yeah. Um, what would you, how would you encourage believers in this? Yeah. So to, 
as far as like to stand firm in the faith and know what's right and what's wrong or like what's true and what's untrue, we have to just be in the word. We have to be students of, of the Bible. And there's no um, other way around it, I think. And it, it would be, you know, it would be to a detriment for me not to say, read the Bible and read it uh, regularly, read it um, both as a narrative and then both deep diving into the subtleties in the text, like know it. Um, and the, the word, as we read in, you know, we listened to a podcast, it's the sword of the spirit. They, they talked a little bit about that, but it is, it's the sword of the spirit. And so we, we know how God speaks to us when he speaks to us and what he's speaking to us when we're both submitting ourselves to the influence of the spirit that's with us and his word. And they'll never conflict one another. Um, so that's the first thing. If you want to know what's right and what's true, then you have to be uh, a student of the word and we've got to be people of the word. And that, that alone is like the one way to, to know what, you know, how to navigate life. It, it will interpret everything for us. Um, secondly, speaking to non-believers who are new ages, you know, a lot of that will come with the relationship you have with them and um, like the opportunity you have in that given moment. Um, I remember speaking with a coworker last year and uh, this uh, particular person was trying to say that all people were innately good. She, I could tell she was wrestling because there was this person she was talking about, not me, but she was talking about that uh, was just pretty immoral and she was, but then she felt bad because she's like, well, I think all people really are good. So maybe it was like a mental health issue or something. And I said, no. I said, no, I don't really think all people are good. In fact, I don't think anybody is truly good in the sense that like as our nature, we're good people. I said, we, you know, we can do some good things, but we're not good people. And then, you know, she walked away and stayed back. She's like, oh, I think you misunderstood me. You know, I, I, I think people are innately good. And I explained again, I said, no, I didn't misunderstand you. I'm saying people are not innately good. And she walked away. She came back. No, no, no. I still think you mis you misheard me. And I said, I didn't mishear you. I said, listen to what I'm going to, you know, what I, what I have to say. People are evil and we need rescuing from ourselves. And she said, oh, no, no, that's not at all what I, I don't agree with that. And I said, I know you don't. <laughs> and, um, you know, and we've had subsequent conversations, but I've been I've been looking at that um, recently, just looking at the goodness of God in in Jesus says right out of his mouth. No one's. Why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. Right. So he wasn't saying that he wasn't good, but he was he was questioning this rich young ruler who's who's coming to and right. asking him and calling him good without no without believing that he's God. Right. And saying, Why would you say that? And he's he's then uses that to use the law to take a deep dive into this guy's heart so he could see his own depravity. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, he was questioning the status quo by asking that question, and I think sometimes we're in positions to be movers and shakers. Um, and again, depending like if if you know you're only going to see one person one time, so say you're on a short term mission trip, give the full clear gospel in as much entirety as you can because you may never see that person for the rest of your life, and they may never have a you know a chance to hear the gospel ever again. 
but again, we, we know that someone could die at any moment. But for the most part, I think you can wisely and winsomely leverage uh, rhythmic relationships that you have with your neighbors, with coworkers, with family members. And when the opportunity presents itself, I never think we should shy away from uh, proclaiming the full gospel. But even if we don't have that opportunity to speak to the gospel or to really even call out and cause one to question what they know is real, you know, what they hold to is good. And it's a part of uh, the collective effort of preaching the gospel in word and in deed, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But um, well, yeah. I love that exhortation, man, to, to get into the word. You know, we know Romans 12, don't be conformed to the world. In this specific conversation, don't be conformed to the world's new age mysticism or their pursuit of their self and being, I even hear this with Christians, you know, I've just, I've got to be true to myself. I don't want to, I don't want to fake it. I just got to, I got to be me and then just grow as I can. Yeah. Well, what Jesus calls you to is it's not inauthentic to say that you need to change. And to yeah. be, and to by the spirit, be putting to death the deeds of the body. But that comes as you aren't conformed to the world's thinking, but are transformed by the renewing of your mind in the word of God. And that's the only, yeah. only way that it can happen. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a, you know, this the idea of transparency. While I think there should be a, a, certainly a level of transparency among people that you have accountability with and your spouse, certainly, and, and all those things. Sometimes it's it's uh, it, there's self-aggrandizing masked with transparency, you know, but it's really there's a, a refusal to change. It's not really done in penitence or repentance, but it's just like a, a, to your point, I'm just being myself, and um, and those are subtle things. But you know, being clear uh, with language matters, and I think this would probably be my parting point. And the reason why I don't think it's helpful to say things like karma for the Christian or whatnot is because everything we say communicates something. And you could say, well, they're just words, but words matter. Words have the power of life and death. And so I think it's um, unhelpful and just unwise to, to assimilate new age thought and language to the Christian experience. Um, and it, it, it muddles the gospel. And so as we are saying, look, we're ambassadors for Jesus. He's called us as his people for his possession. We have to communicate clearly who is the Christ and what does it look like to repent and believe on him? And so, yeah, there's no, no question uh, of for clarity. It's a given. Yeah. Awesome. Man, give us a, give us your random thought, your tidbit for the day. Man. You got a factoid? It's not a factoid per se, but it is a uh, an interesting little thing. Um, Facebook bought Instagram, you know, and Instagram is just uh, killing it compared to Facebook. So um, there's been a, uh, a few, uh, what I would say, internal struggles with uh, the Facebook corporation over the success of Instagram, which was really just added to their, you know, to their... Um, their portfolio for the numbers, but Instagram's taken over. So if you're not into social media or anything, it doesn't matter. But it is an interesting tidbit how often the one who uh, who has the power easily becomes the one who is powerless. Yeah. 
Well, man, may the Lord use this uh, to spur his people to be a people of the word. And my, my prayer in the midst of this is that in the midst of all the buffet of options where people are picking and choosing as they will in a new age culture, that Christians would emphatically not be that and not approach the word in a new age mindset kind of way in that we would be a people, a Psalm 1 people who meditate in God's word day and night, not emptying our minds to find ourselves, but right. filling our minds with the word to lose ourselves and yeah. find Christ. Yeah, Jesus makes the promise, the one who loses his life shall find it. And so that's Amen. true. That's, yeah, we can, we can bank on that. Awesome. All right, man. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. See ya.